morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good? Let's get a little more energy in that. Good morning. You guys did way better for Vanessa than me. I'm going to get my feelings hurt already. Get your worship guides out, and we're going to get going in part three uh, in the installment on God and your bod. My name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know me, and um, it's just a pleasure to have you here with us as we kind of embark on a new year and a new series. And this is just a really important series, I hope, for you. I know it is uh, for me. I've been kind of the uh, illustrated sermon uh, during the course of this series, but uh, we're going to get into it pretty quick. You can just look and follow along with us on version, your Bible, or your worship guide, and um, I'm going to jump in uh, pretty quick. Um, we've uh, previously kind of talked about uh, God and rest, God and the body at rest in week one, and then last week we talked about God and the bod and pain. What is the purpose of pain? How many were here last week for that message? Raise your hand good and high. Good. Okay, many of you. If you were not here last week, I really encourage you to get that. It's really relevant um, on a lot of levels, current circumstances, uh, your personal life, as well as good um, Christian doctrine. In other words, it will help you not fall away or kind of get sidelined and sidetracked in your faith over sometimes some of the unfortunate things that happen in our life, either because of other people, because of ourselves, or just because of a cursed world in which we live. So I encourage you to get that when you can. But um, I'm going to talk about uh, God and the physical bod today. Um, Probably many of you would have an idea what you think this is going to be like, and I would probably say, you're wrong, and uh, it's probably going to be a little different uh, approach um, to this particular subject. Um, but I'll preface it by saying when you, when you become a Christian or if you've become a Christian, uh, the premise for uh, being a follower of Christ is that there is a, a, a change on the inside, not so much a change on the outside. Is everybody tracking with me? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says basically this, paraphrased, uh, you were this way, and now you're this way. You were, your old person is gone, now you're, it actually says, I'm using a new word, uh, a, new, a term, new creation. You're a new creation. The old life is gone. In fact, when we celebrate water baptism, which we'll have uh, at the end of February, we'll have a water baptism. Um, when we celebrate that, that is an outward sign or an outward demonstration of an inward conviction or an inward belief that that old person is being left down in the waters of death. And then you're coming up a new person. So that's just symbolic. We don't believe that we are saved that way or come to Christ that way, but it is a public demonstration of a personal decision that people make. And so we believe that baptism should be public. But it's just a great sign of, and illustrates what I'm talking about. But real change is motivated by an inside work. And, and if it's not there, if it's not inside, then it, it really doesn't last. And so I just want to submit to you that God is central to everything, including our health including our physical bodies. And the, eternal, the internal power, um, the internal, I should say, has the power to change the external. In fact, I don't think it can go any other way. Uh, the resolution, I call it every new year, I call it the resolution dilemma. Do you know what I mean by resolutions, everybody? I mean, every year, uh, how many made a resolution this year? <laughs> how many already broke it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, just surrender that to him now. Um, we, we have these resolutions every year around this time because, um, you know, of the season that we're coming out of. And, and, and I'm, I am a, I said a 20-year gym rat, but actually almost 30-year gym rat. 
If you don't know what that means, too bad, too sad. Uh, but, you know, I've been in and around this culture. It's kind of a subculture. There's these little posses of people. You got your bodybuilders. You got your meatheads. You got your power lifters. That's kind of my pack, Jesus pack. There's a whole other group just kind of in and out, the floozies and flighties, and then you got your flirts, and, and they're just going in there for social life, and, and, and there's a whole bunch, it's, a, it's just a whole subculture inside this whole thing. Well, every year around this time, the gym rats kind of have a, a just comedic, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, experiences because you see that just the whole gym just swells up for about 30, some 60 maybe, you know, 60 days, and then you just, you just see people just struggling in there, and, and it's comical to us, and it's not right, and we're picking fun, and nobody knows it, and we're like, wow, is this man, he's, got, he's trying to get his legs strong doing the lap pull now, you know what I mean, he thinks the bench press is the legs press, he's got his legs up in the air, look at his butt, oh, and we're just all laughing at that, you know what I mean, and, and, and you know, when they walk away, you know, like, oh, you know, all this, like, they're, they're jacked, you know, after their first workout. And we're, anyway, we're having a ball with it, and this is awful. I need to get off this track. But uh, the point is, in a very short order, poof, it's gone because it's this external focus. And it happens all the time. We all relate to it. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be, you know, a, a, a mental resolution. I talked about kind of the four buckets that we have. You know, we've got uh, the spiritual bucket. We've got the mental, kind of like just how, how are we feeding our mind, renewing our mind. And We've got the relational, and, and, and we've got the physical bucket. And if, if we don't keep those buckets full, a lot of times one of them is deficit span, or, you know, it's like it's just falling all out, and some of them are just like a quarter full. And God wants them to all be full so that we are optimally serving him. We're supposed to serve him and live life abundantly out of the overflow of those buckets. And in order for that to happen, by the way, we need to have a, the time to recreate ourselves, a, a rest and restore, a feeding and filling of those different buckets. But if you just focus uh, um, um, on the spiritual side, and, and this is something I didn't share in week one, but if you focus on the spiritual bucket, it will, it will automatically begin to fill the other buckets. If you focus on spiritual change, you will see external change in your life. Start with that. Start with, I encourage you as, you, as you get into your new year, I was, I've, I've gotten some feedback on this, but I just threw out a little nugget, and I want to do it again because it had a positive effect. But every morning, I get up, and I put my version Bible on, my Bible app, and then I go to a one-year Bible, uh, which you can get and just many different types of plans, and then I just, I just hit the different buttons on that, hit the audio, and I just listen to it. Now, I have a Bluetooth, so I look like a cyborg, but I, I go around in the morning in my pajamas, and I've got that Bluetooth thing on and the phone in my pocket, and I just listen to the word while I get ready and make my shake. I pack, get planned for the day, all the different things I'm doing. I'm just walking around listening to my Bible. How many can take time to do that? Only five of you. That's great. Well, you know what? I am in the wrong business. I am clearly an impact player right here. How many of you can make time to do that? Come on. So how many of you struggle to read your Bible? How many of you struggle to read? Come on, be honest. This is an, all you liars. Raise your hand right now, okay? You know where liars go. Okay, so you know you struggle with that, okay? So this is easy. If you have an iPhone, which is Jesus' phone, if you have a data phone of some kind, get version on your Bible and start listening to your Bible. It's a piece of cake. It's a piece of cake. Change your life. Anyway, I had to pause on that for a second. 
And uh, I hope that you guys do that. If, if, if you don't, you're crazy, crazy. Just very easy to do. I'm not t- saying replace reading Bible or anything like that. I still love my Bible, but it's, good. it's a good way to get the Word of God in you on an ongoing basis. But when you do that, you know, if you'll focus on the spiritual, a lot of times I'll say this too. I'll say, give us a year of your life. Now, if, if, if you come into this church and you, you, get, you, you sit under the Word, you know, we, we preach the Word. Our worship experience is, is tailored and customized to a, to a guest, but the Word, is ta- the, the preaching is tailored to the Word of God. We put it out there. You will, you will be equipped and discipled if you're here. And so you center the word. You get into small groups like Vanessa was just talking about, not one of them shallow how groups. You get in one of those real deal groups. You get in one of those and get into community, you will grow. You, you, start, you go to growth track, figure out and get trained and equipped so you can figure out what God's called you to do. That's what we talk about tonight. You, if, you, if you hear about a marriage retreat, go. Go to the marriage retreat. If you'll give a year to your life where you go all out, if you're not better at the end of the year, I'll leave this church and go with you to another church. I mean it. I'm telling you, you will be better for that if you do that. Amen? So the spiritual influences everything else. And I want to show you today the connection between the spiritual and the physical. Uh, I heard this story just recently. Um, this, I, I happen to know this pastor. His name's Pastor Larry Stockstill. And he was talking to uh, a pastor in my life who influences me. And he was basically saying this. He was saying that um, <laughs> they were on the 21-day fast. We're in a fasting period for those of you uh, are participating in that, be encouraged, continue to do so. And uh, he was fasting, and uh, he was telling, he was telling uh, his protégés, and I sometimes I really struggle, you know, to stay, kind of to stay, you know, uh, you know off these, these different appetites are just taking me over. And uh, so his protégé says, well, what do you do? He says, well, I was following my wife's lead. Well, what's your wife do? She says, well, she's always skinny and just always in great shape and just doing good. And what does she do? He said, he said she, she says, every day she gets up. She, she, she does three things. In the morning, she lives like a king. I mean, she eats whatever she wants in the morning. Whatever she wants to eat, she eats. You want to eat Danish, Entenmann's, you know, raspberry, God's food, manna from heaven. She wants to eat that, several cups of coffee, cream and sugar, whatever. She'll do that. Lunchtime, she eats like a prince. So she's just a little bit lighter, you know, but there's some salad or some meats and fruits and vegetables and things like that. But at night, she eats like a pauper. She just might have like a half an orange, you know, peel an apple and eat that, and that's it. And she, 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 that's what she says I do. And so, so my friend says to Pastor Larry, what, so how, how's that going? How you been doing that? He says, man, it's been going fine for a little while, but every night I hear this voice in my head, long live the king. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I don't care what you say, that's funny. Long live the king. How many feel like that sometimes? I mean, like 10 o'clock at night, it's like, Pop-Tarts, baby, bring them out. I need that Uno's pizza. Let's slip it in the oven right now. I am ready to kind of, the king is alive and well, and, and everybody is kind of struggling with that. And, you know, I heard one guy said, I went to the doctor to see if my weight was okay. And the doctor said, sure, your weight is fine. You're just 11 feet too short. <laughs> we all, we all have these physical things in our life that, that we battle, and, if, and we know we need to change them. We're either trying to change them or we know we need to. Can I have an amen and know me out there? And so if we did an inventory, if we, if we examined ourselves in these different areas of our life, we know, many of us here are sitting here today, that the body or the mind is calling the shots. It's, uh, we're OOC. We, there's an out-of-control element. We have lost control of our tripart being. And I'll get to that in a second. But the Bible actually, this is a bonus term, the Bible actually calls this, there's a word for this that you've read before, some of you, it's called debauchery. 
debauchery. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. It, debauchery means it's an extreme uh, indulgence in your senses. It's an over it's an overindulgence to feed your senses. What happens if, is when you overindulge your senses, you become desensitized to things that are, if you overindulge your body senses, then you become desensitized to the, the, the emotional side of you or the relational side of you, and more in particular, the spiritual side of you becomes desensitized. It's when your body is, is taking over. And you may, again, not realize this, but you are a triune being. That means you, you're, you, there's three parts to you. You have, you. you have a soul, but it is made up of a body, a mind, and a spirit. Now, now the body side of you has needs, wants, desires. Some of them, are, the volume's turned way the heck up on us. And then you have the mind, that's kind of, uh, it's got the mind the emotions, and then you have the will over the top of that. It's like it's sitting on the throne, the will, and it controls the, the, the mental capacities and the emotional responses of your life. And many, in many cases, our will is incredibly weak, and that's why we're ruled by our emotions. That's why you see people, they can just like, they can go from zero to 60 emotionally, from happiness to anger, from, you know, sad, you know, to glad in just a second because their will is so weak. What influences the will that gives us strong character and constitutions? The Word of God. That's what does that. What influences our body? It's the Word dwelling richly within you, applied to your life, not just listened to and heard, but obeyed and responded to as well. And so you have this triune being, and then you have the Spirit. And the spirit is the part of us that's like God. It's the thing that separates us, as my daddy says, from the monkeys and the penguins. It's the thing that separates me from Hunter, my dog. My dog, Hunter, has a body and he has a mind. He has, he has emotions and feelings. How do you know? I said, I know. Because he can be really mad when somebody comes into his territory and you just have to be around him long enough to know how mad he gets about that. And it's, it's just, he goes crazy. He can get really, like, sad about situations. For example, uh, I, we could wrap the trash bag up, put it in the top of the stairs and say, Devin, don't forget to take that out. And Devin forgets to take it out, you know, often. Anyway, and so I could, I could leave, go, go, go away, come back. And that trash has been po- poked into by my dog, Hunter. Now, I just role play. I don't know what it's like. I don't know exactly how it goes down. But I imagine he's just, because he just, the trash is on the top of the stairs, and that's where he likes to sit. And he's just sniffing that trash. Oh, Jesus, that trash smells so good. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, and he's just sniffing that thing, and he's just thinking about all the goodness inside it, and, and his body's just taking him over, you know, and his needs and his wants and his desires. And maybe there's a, you know, there's a little bit of a, maybe there's a bone inside there, and he starts picking at it. Before you know it, it's all over the place because his body has ruled him. Then he comes home, and I come in, and I can see the trash bag, and I see food, and there's a hunter, hunter, hunter. You know, and then he'll come out, and, he, and this is what he does. He's, he, right away, he's, he's, he, he just walks and his tail just goes, whoo, right up underneath his leg. You know what I mean? And his head's down, and he won't even look at me, and I'll be looking at him. He'll kind of look out the side of his eye just like that, like, won't even look at me. It's all sad, ears down, everything, you know? We're different than that. We're, the, the spirit is the part of us that's like God. It's a little bit of himself. And only, and this is the truth, only the spirit man is actually, when it is actually in charge, do we really experience success? Do we really experience the abundant life? The abundant life is not about eternal life. The abundant life is about life in the here and now. God wants us to be able to be blessed and, re, and have 
life to the full, optimal, vitalized, you know, revitalized, enjoyed. But the one who's in charge is the one who's fed the most. When, when um, you know, if the, if the body's in charge, for example, it, you may not realize this unconsciously, but the body has no regard for the mind. The body has no regard for the spirit. When the, when the emotional or the mind side of us is in charge, it has no regard for the body. It has no regard for the spirit. The body will do one of two things, worship, its, worship itself or neglect itself. Either one of those destroys relationships around it. When the, when the emotional side of us is large and in charge, then it will, it will ultimately destroy everything around it. For example, when we get emotional, we get depressed Depression will eventually lead us to self-destruction. That's what happens to people. No regard for the body. They'll just check out because the emotions have ruled them so. Are you tracking with me? I'm taking things to their extreme, but I'm trying to get you to see the path of parts of our trying being not out of balance and not submitted and subordinated to the spiritual side of us. But God wants our spirit man to be in charge. He wants the spirit to be king of the hill. When I was a kid growing up, the end of Dug and Drive, we had all our, all on the left-hand side of our entire street, all the properties had these big hills. And when we were kids, we didn't know what to play. We'd make a game out of a hill. Like, there's a hill. We'd make a game. That's how, that's, how, that's how intelligent we were back then. You know what I mean? Let's go, I'll go to the top of the hill, and you try to take me down. And if you can't, I'll win. <laughs> How's that for a game? And people would come from miles around to play king of the hill. And so we, and whoever, and we just pound each other. I mean, kicking and ripping each other's pants off. Kids would go home, I got you, Levi's. You know what I mean? And everybody just beating the snot out of each other. But the guy who won was the guy who was on top of the hill. You know who the guy was top of the hill? Whoever was the strongest. And that's how it is with your tripart being. Whichever part of you is fed the most is the strongest. You say, well, I am feeding my spirit right now. Listen, listen to this for those of you who are fasting and praying or planning on doing so. Listen to this. A lot of times, and this is what the Lord was showing me the other day, we're currently, many of us, spending more time in the new year, in this new year resolution, we're feeding our spirit more. We're spending more time in the Word. We're, re- we're listening to that one-year Bible. We're worshiping and praying. We're unplugging from some of the things, but most of the time we're over-nourishing our spirit where we're continuing to nourish our minds and our bodies. You know what happens in that situation? Everybody's on a level playing field. Throw them all in the ring. They're just going to battle it out round after round after round. In order for the spirit to win and to be put back in charge, sometimes for a season, you need to undernourish your mind and undernourish your body. And that puts the spirit kind of in hyperdrive and gets it kind of puts steroids on the spirit man so it again begins to take charge. So it's so, fasting is sometimes seen as so punitive and, and so painful. And there is a suffering to it, but it's a very good suffering. And the reward far outweighs the temporary sacrifice that you go through. And so you might need to unplug from certain things, frankly, and never go back to them. But fasting, fasting will make you powerful, not weak. I could get an amen out of there. One, yeah, this is a better preaching I'm telling you right now than what I'm hearing right now. But God wants your spirit to be in charge. And Paul talks about this war with our bodies in Romans chapter 7. And he actually refers to this body, this, this problem with his body tears us down. He calls it the body of death. Body of death. Romans 7, it says, for I have a desire to do what is good. He says, I have this desire, just like you, every year when I start the new year, I have a desire to do what is good. 
I want to work out. I plan on working out. I don't want to smoke anymore. I want to schedule my life better and make sure there's margin in it. I don't want to look at this or look at that, but I cannot carry it out, he says. I can't carry it out. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I'm repeating this cycle for what I do is not the good I want to do. Does anybody relate to that? Have you ever been there with your body where you're like, why did I eat that whole Entenmann's Danish? You know? It's like, you ever, seen, you ever seen, I think it's Brian Regan when he talks about Fig Newtons? He's like, the Fig Newtons, it says, don't, you know, two cookies per serving. Who eats two Fig Newtons? He's like, I eat Fig Newtons by the sleeve. You know, chips flying. It's like the chipper. You know what I mean? Who does that? And at the end of that, you're like, why did I do that? <sighs> and you feel like crud. That's what he's talking about. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing by the sleeve. <sighs> now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it. Listen to this. Look at this in your notes. But it is sin living where? It is sin living where? In me. That does it. He discovered that what is driving all the negative behaviors in our life is, is, is a spiritual condition. That's what I'm trying to uh, purport here this morning. It's a spiritual thing. In other words, the reason why I can't get my body, the external part of me, is the internal part of me is out of order. There's something wrong. And then he goes on, he fusses a little more in verse 24, and he says this, what a wretched man I am. I think we do this. I think we do this unconsciously. Sometimes I think we verbalize it right out loud. I can't stand myself right now. I just ate 16 sleeves of Fig Newtons. I want to hang myself. That's what, that's what people, they, they do that stuff and they just feel so horrible. I hate myself right now for what I just did. I hate myself for continuing to, to neglect or abuse or whatever the case may be. I don't like the, the way I'm acting. What an evil person I am. And then he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? It's taken over my life. Who's going to rescue me? Look at the answer. The answer is different than what many of us think. He says, thanks be to God. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, how interesting. He doesn't say, what you needed was some more accountability. That's your problem, Bubba. What you needed was a gym membership. What you need to do is suck down these pills that taste like wheatgrass. And they burp up wheatgrass. What you need to do is drink this green magma 16 times a day, and you'll be clean. Out. <laughs> That's what you need. No, he doesn't say that. He says, the secret isn't that stuff. The secret is, listen, I need more Jesus in me. I need, to, I need to surrender to the spiritual side of me. The whole next chapter in chapter 8 is talking about the spirit-filled life. So verse, verse, chapter 7 is the reality of life. Romans 8 is what the reality in, in relationship with God looks like, if you'll submit to it. You can read that on your own. But this, this, this message, though, is dedicated to those who are frustrated physically. And I venture to say it, it hits all of us at some level. Because I think many of us, are, there's a part of us that's just, it's just out of control. and We don't know how to stop it. So here's three signs that the body is calling the shots. And by the way, I wrote that line. My wife will attest to this. Three signs that the body's calling the shots. When I was typing that, there were two Kleenex stuck up my nose. Because I couldn't breathe. Just to keep it real. 
Three signs that the body's calling the shot. It destroys me. It destroys me. As your pastor, I want to help you understand something. You have an enemy who's trying to, John 10.10 says, to kill, steal, and to what? destroy. But God, Jesus came that they might have life and they would have it abundantly, abundant life. That means above and beyond life, overcoming life. That means circumstantially, I am not controlled. I am living at a, at a higher order of being because I am a Christ follower. And, 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 and the devil knows, for those of us who called upon the name of the Lord, that he can't keep you out of heaven, but he will do everything to destroy you here on earth and minimize what you want, you're called to accomplish and what you're called to do. Because he wants to destroy that. And so he'll do everything to ruin your life. Very interesting in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, it says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, as a Christ follower, it's okay for me to do this. But is it a good idea? Maybe if I keep doing this, something, something bad could come out of this. This is the same guy who wrote Romans 7, and he said, I know I can do it, but it's, it's getting me in trouble. It may not be the best thing for me. Everything's permissible. But then he says this classic line, I hope you get this. If, 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 I, if, if I wanted to, if, I'm not going to endorse tattoos, but tattoo this to your soul. But I will not be mastered by anything is what he said. Say that with me. I will not be mastered by anything. I love this phrase. It's so key. This is, what, this is what this season of prayer and fasting is all about. We, we've just come out of the most indulgent quarter of the year, the last quarter of the year. We just, we just, we going out to eat all the time. You know, we're, we're, we go out. I mean, I, I love going out to eat. I'm like, the food's coming like crazy. I'm like, I don't want to insult the cook. Keep it coming. You know what I mean? I'm on a seafood diet. I see food, I eat it. Everybody just, just food everywhere, candy everywhere. People give me more candy. We don't know what to do with it all. You know, and we just, we just re-gift it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but there's just so much stuff. Don't tell anybody. Um, all you guys keep it a secret. But there's, there's this, there, it's so indulgent, and we're spending more money, and we're running ourselves ragged with, with our schedules, super indulgent. And that's why as a church, we strategically try to encourage people, take a time out the first of the year and give God the precious first fruits of your schedule. And let him reboot and refresh and restore your life. And it's important for you to do that, guys. As we, this week, we're going to break our fast and culminate our fast at all access this Friday night. If you, uh, if you can be there, you should. It's so powerful because you get to see what happens when the king of the hill is the spirit of God in people's lives. That's what happens. And if you haven't been fasting, it's okay. Jump in today. Jump in tomorrow. Plan a couple days this week. Don't beat yourself up about what, what you haven't done. Get involved in what you could do now. You can fast beyond the fast. This is just a corporate fast. We're trying, to, we're trying to educate and inform, bring us together as a church to keep unity and keep God's favor on our lives and our, and our church. But this is something that should be elementary for us. You need to, to, to make sure that the spirit man is large and in charge in your life. Because you might be like, and I hear this all the time, but you might be saying things like, you know, I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm exhausted, you know. I'm tired of my appetites ruling me. I'm tired of just, you know, giving in, you know, to, to, my, to, to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to be like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. It was the appetites of the flesh that disqualified him. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
It's very important we take this part of our life seriously. Number two, it dilutes my witness. It dilutes my witness. I was talking to somebody as pastoral as I knew how to last week. Very influential, gifted, intelligent person. But the lifestyle things are out of order. And, 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 and when I, as I say this, I want to stir a new motivation in you, in me, to be, to be fit, to be fit. What are you saying, pastor? You're saying, that pa- you're saying that people look at us, you know, they look at the outside of us, you know, yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. Well, don't judge me, judge not, the Bible says. Don't you be careful what you're looking at, pastor, judging and judging and judging and judging. Let me just tell you something, that's just a bad attitude. That's just a bad attitude. You know, the Bible says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. This is, there's something, there's, how, we're supposed to shine without words. Our lives, our bodies should be a testimony to people. It should be a, a billboard, a living curriculum, an advertisement for God. And, and we're saying, don't judge me, judge now. You look at yourself, you got problems. I bet there's all kinds of things going on with you. Looking, <laughs> Listen, we got to get over that. The Bible says again that man looks at outward appearances. Why, why is that important? Because we're minimizing a lot of our influence and our impact because we are not taking the, the, the temple maintenance seriously. We're not taking that seriously. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21 says, for we are taking pains. That's kind of like a no pain, no gain thing for a gym rat. We are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. See, God's saying it's important what they see and it's important what I see. That's what he's saying right there. When, you're, when you do that and that becomes, first we form habits and then habits form us. Once that forms you, you you're going to be able to be a major influence. Bad stuff can happen, crisis, all kinds of, tra- all kinds of stuff, but you want to be strong. You want to be able to handle those situations. And sometimes your spirit, <coughs> excuse me, your, your mind might be strong enough. You might think your spirit's strong enough, but your body can take you down. God wants you to be a strong triumph. Maybe some of you may not have heard of this guy, but there was a guy named Horatio Spafford. He was an author of a famous song, I'll tell you in a second. And shortly after the Chicago fire, he was a wealthy man. He decided to take uh, his family on vacation to Europe. But he had some business to attend to, so he sent his wife and three daughters on ahead. This is before air travel. He sent his wife and three daughters ahead on a ship over to Europe. On the way over, there was a terrible accident uh, I think between two ships, if I'm not mistaken, and the ship was sunk, and the only survivor was the wife. And she wrote a letter later to say, alone saved, daughters all dead. And of course, it was a horrible message to get from uh, your spouse. And so as quickly as possible, he went to uh, comfort and console her, got on a ship. And as, 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 as he's going across the, uh, the ocean, the captain came to Horatio and said, the place where the ship went down, where your three daughters have been and were entombed, is coming up. If you'd like, we'll stop the ship in honor of them, and you can pay your respects. And so they stopped the ship, and Horatio got out on the bow of the ship. And while he was out there, strong Christian believer, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, 
Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Right in the middle of his worst tragedy, his worst day, his worst possible circumstances, that's what came out of a man like that? How is that possible? What possible impact could he have had on the rest of the world? I'll tell you, he had a lot of impact because I don't know a funeral, I don't know a tragic situation where you don't hear that song. God used it. His witness was not diluted by circumstances because he was strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He had to be very strong physically. To, I don't know if you've ever known anybody to lose someone or lost someone yourself, but physically you're, grave, you're gravely affected. He wrote this testimony of what God can be like on your worst day, and he was a billboard of a deep work that is not just on the inside, excuse me, on the outside, but on the inside. And I think God wants to do that for you and me, so that we can count it all joy when we fall into trials of different kinds, that we can, as you know, you know, we can, we can, we can handle these type of situations. But when our, when our body uh, is in control, the third point is it dishonors God. Why? Why does it dishonor God? When your body is in control, it dishonors God, because your body is a temple. Everybody say, my body is a temple. In other words, in, in, you may not realize this, but in the New Testament sense, there's, there's a change between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we, we worshiped in tents made by, uh, you know, raised by men. We worshiped in temples made by men. We worshiped in buildings. But in the New Testament, Acts 17 tells us this in verse 24, you know, it's, it basically says that we're the temple. We are the temple. First Corinthians tells us this. In other words, this, this room, we often call it a sanctuary. It's actually an auditorium. What makes this a place of worship is you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm the temple. I heard one guy say, if I'm the temple, I made it a mega church. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, you, ha- you, have to, you have to see it through the right lens. And if you've noticed sometimes how people treat religious buildings or religious artifacts, they, they behave with more respect. They might take their hat off. They might be quiet and behave quietly. They might, they might just walk more circumspectly. It's because they, they, they hold it in honor. But you need to see that about your temple. You need to hold it in honor. What would you do differently? How would you behave differently if you saw, if you believed what you just said, that you are the temple of God? 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, do you not know, as if to say, you must not. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. So what do we do? We clearly see a difference between what the world offers and what God has to offer with regards to our bodies and what the focus should be. And I'm calling each of us to a a different lifestyle, a kind of a higher uh, standard and a higher way of thinking. Because if the word of God in, in what he's saying to you through me right now, if it could dwell in you richly, if you could embrace it, if you could have a, as I like to say sometimes, a heavy revy on it, I think you would live differently. And this is more real to me than it's been ever before because I've had the tendency to very much focus on the external. We either, we kind of swing between two trees, many of us. We're either a worshiper where we're focused on the external or we're a neglector where we just abuse the external. In either case, they both can become idolatrous and negative. I remember being in Birmingham last uh, summer 
And uh, Pastor Chris, who's, you, many of you guys know, you know how important he's been in my life. I remember listening to this one message, and I don't get a lot of time with him, but when I, sometimes I say something, and it just hits me between the eyes. And he did a message, and there, was, there were hundreds and uh, maybe even thousands of pastors there at this particular event. And I wasn't even paying attention, so I had to listen to it later. But he did a message called Fit for the Master's Use. And there's a scripture in that particular message that I want to use this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Fit for the Master's Use. <clears throat> and he started kicking out some statistics about the abysmal health, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, of pastors. It was horrible, the statistics that he put out there. And I felt pretty good about myself relative to them. And then God just rebuked me and said, no, you're off. There's stuff that you need to, that you need to get right. You're not seeing it right. And, 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 and I, I, I just want, I want, I want to give that away in it because it's a work that's happening in me and I'm not there yet, but I need, I need it to change. And I guess what I want to say is, without answering out loud, would you be willing to change if he spoke to you? Would you? Would you really be willing to change in this area of your life? I don't know about you, but I needed a greater work done. And he's teaching me some stuff and I'm trying to teach it to you right in the middle of it. But one of the things that I think he's trying to show me is that he wants us to be, go from a body of death to being a living sacrifice. And what's it really all about? He, he wants us to be fit because people are so unhealthy in so many ways beyond physical fitness. And in God's eyes, he wants us to be fit in every way. 2 Timothy 2.20, this is what it says. Look in your notes. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. In other words, in your house, let me make this simple for you, in your house there are paper plates and there, are, there is fine china. And, and, and you treat those two things completely different. If there's fine china and you, you take it out on special occasions, you hold it in high regard, you make sure it's polished and pristine. If it's eaten on afterwards, you wash it. You're very careful. You might not even put it in the dishwasher. You, take, you, you put your own sweat and, and, hand, and, and hands on it and attention to it. And then you even put it in a special place to make sure it's protected from everything else. But a paper plate, fundamentally, it's seen as trash to be discarded. In fact, in my house, sometimes I'll go on a little war, you know, you know, call because there's paper plates everywhere. And I believe in just kind of being economical and, 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 and just seeing things through that lens. But, but paper plates, you just, you just leave them anywhere. You leave stuff all over it. You'll rip it up, tear it up, throw it away, discard it. And God is saying that your temple is a vessel of honor. And if you saw it that way, you wouldn't put some of the stuff into it that you normally do. You wouldn't look at it, click it like you normally do. You wouldn't go some of the places that you go, do some of the things that you do. You would treat it very, very differently if you saw your temple as a holy place. You wouldn't ignore the health dashboards sometimes that are screaming at you because you saw the temple as fine china. Are you tracking with me this morning? He shall be a vessel unto honor, the Bible says, sanctified. And then it says, and fit. Everybody say fit for the master's use and prepared for every good work. I'm calling us to spiritual fitness, not just physical fitness. In 1 Timothy 4.8, look at this verse, another great one. Are you enjoying God's word today, yes or no? 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value. In other words, you can go to the gym. That's all right. Go ahead. Do it. It's of t it has a temporal or temporary value to it. But it says, but godliness has value for all things. Everybody say all things. 
That means all areas of your life holding promise for both the present life, it says, and the life to come. Godliness isn't just an eternal benefit. It's a benefit right now. It's reinforcing everything that I've said to you thus far. In other words, when you get spiritual, it's, 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 it's impactful now. So how do you know you're spiritually fit? Let me give you four things. I'm way over time, but I'm going to preach. Number one, can you handle that? If you do these things, it will have a huge impact on your body. Number one, worship God, not you, with your body. Worship God, not you. What does that look like? Romans 12 tells us to offer our bodies. Romans 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies or offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your your spiritual act of worship. One translation says your reasonable service. This is what you should do. This is the right thing for you to do. Offer your body. Say, well, I don't know what that means. What does that look like? You have to see, first of all, your body as a temple. But, 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 but see it as worship. You are worshiping with your bodies. That's not just serving. It's also how you present to God. I think we have to, here's a new exercise. A new exercise since last quarter that I've been doing virtually every day. Every time I pray, uh, a new exercise. Because the benefits of this ex- any exercise come not when you do it once, but when you do it over and over and over again. What happens is you can hear what I'm saying right now and go on and do nothing. You have, listen to me, you have to exercise. Anybody says you want to lose weight? You just can't take this pill and this green magma 16 times a day. It will come all back on you. If you do any studies on fat cells, all you do is just empty them out and they blow right back up again. The only thing that makes those things go away permanently is you're going to have to eat right and exercise. So I'm telling you, when I talk about offering your body, there's an exercise to it. What does that look like? Okay, three-minute prayer. Lord God, I I offer my body to you today. I give you my mind. My mind is prone to wander, Jesus. (laughs) It's starting to try to do it right now. But Lord, I choose today to think on things that are lovely, pure, excellent, admirable, of a good report, according to Philippians 4, verse 8. I, I think about those things, God. I want to focus on pure things. I, I want to I make sure that the, the, the meditation of my mind and the words of my mouth are pleasing to you, O oh God. So the things that I meditate on, help me to keep it on you in accordance with Isaiah 26.3. If you keep your mind on him, then you'll have peace on the inside because I don't want to have a lack of peace. I don't, I don't want peace like the world gives. I want peace like you give. So I, I pray that, Lord, as I offer my mind to you today. Let nothing evil come through my eyes. I offer you my eyes today, God. You know, I'm a man. Some people, some, some people say to me sometimes, how do you stay sexually pure? Listen, I'm j- just as much a man as everybody else in here. And let me tell you something. This is very real to me. But you have to pray that you don't, you don't lust after another woman like it says in the book of Job. I make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon another woman. Uh, in Psalm 101, it says, I'll, I won't let anything come through my eyes. So I'm careful not to let this start in the first place. Shut it off. Cl- click it off. Throw the remote as far as you can. Flee, youthful lust. That's what the Bible says to the Lord. I pray that you keep my eyes pure and, and focused and true. And some of us, by the way, while we're fasting, where there's some things we're saying no to, we're not doing, don't pick it up on day 22. Just stop it. Don't pick it back up again. Because all it does is pull you down. And so you got to do that with your eyes. You got to do that with your feet. Lord, I give you my feet, Lord. I want to make straight paths. I don't want to go to the right or to the left into that sin and get sidelined and sidetracked by that. So God, help me to go where you want me to go. Help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to see what you want me to see, God. 
Are you tracking with what I'm saying here? Because if you keep your foot from evil, the Bible says, you know, he'll make level paths for you. If you don't give the devil a foothold, then I say it won't be a stronghold. But you have to offer your body to do that in worship for him. And you pray that. That's your exercise. When could you do that? Just a suggestion. When you're in the shower, while you're washing your external body, ask him to wash your spiritual body. And just pray that. How long did that take? Three minutes. Can anybody do three minutes of exercise out there? Some of you can't do three minutes of exercise. Come on. Three minutes of exercise. Who can do that? I'm telling you you can do three minutes of exercise for that. It'll make a huge difference on your life. I think there's a habit you can break, and you'll break it if you'll do that. You'll break those habits that have bound you if you do that. In the words of Duck Dynasty, Uncle Phil, you'll be happy, happy, happy. Some of you guys don't know who I'm talking about. Anyway, number two, I talked about this in week one. Withdraw weekly to restore the body. Withdraw weekly to restore the body. This is so important. If you were not here in week one, please listen to week one. Uh, to, me, I've, uh, to me, it's the message of the year from, from my perspective. Maybe it's just for me. Maybe it is. That, that could be true. But I think it will change your life if you'll, get a, if you'll get a revelation on the Sabbath. The importance of pulling away and resting. Just, just get away. You need to get away? It's a, it's a commercial. Anyway. I, just, I, I am convinced that most believers, not even, not even pre-believers I like to say, are experiencing some level of dis-ease, maybe actual disease, a lower vitality, some shortage of life because of a simple avoidance of rest, the Sabbath, the principle of the Sabbath. Never, we just never stop. We never slow down. My son and I were watching a commercial, the five-hour energy drink. Have anybody seen the commercial? I just jumped out of a plane. I just wrote a book on how to teach guitar while I'm learning guitar. I just, I mean, it's just, I can get more done. I can get more done. Culture is pushing us to the limits and squeezing our margins, convincing us we can get more done in less time if we suck this down, if we do this, if we buy that app, if we keep plugged in to the matrix. Brian Regan talked about this with his Pop-Tart analogy. You ever seen him on the Pop-Tarts? He's like, we're so busy that we, 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 we need instructions, by the way, on how to even eat a Pop-Tart. I can't even believe there's instructions on how to eat a Pop-Tart, but it says on the box, microwave for three seconds on high. If you don't have 30 seconds to microwave something, you are wound too tight, too busy. So we have these quick foods, and all it takes is three seconds, and you wake up, and ding, and the alarm goes off, and you put the thing in the microwave, three seconds, and then you shove it down your throat, and you run out the door. Oh, my God. People are too busy. We need to pull away. We need to rest. Mark 2 says the Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift, not man for the Sabbath. Number three, watch what you do. Watch what you do. Watch your life. Evaluate. Do an inventory. Examine yourself. In other words, don't let this, this is a phrase, not necessarily literal, don't let the shell take you to hell. Don't let it disqualify you. In other words, am I living purposefully? Here's what I know about physical health. You need your body to do what God's called you to do. If, if there's something that I watched, I was saying this in the last service, and uh, what, you know, kind of what it means, the, the, a sense of purpose, living knowing you have something to accomplish. My dad is an extreme example of this. And I say extreme because he's been a great example of this. He would say things like, you know, I can't afford to get sick. I got too much to do, you know? And he'd shove down vitamins and drink this and 
run 1,500 miles and just, man, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to kill this thing. Yeah, it's not going to take me out. You know, he's just very militant. You know what I mean? Even when you go out to relax with my dad, if you've ever gone to eat with him, we'll go, we'll get out, we'll go to lunch, and he gets out of the car, and we're, we're going to Panera Bread. As soon as we get out of the car, he's gone. I mean, he's gone. I'm like, Dad, we're just going to get a sandwich and some soup. You know what I mean? And he's got, his, he's got asphalt coming behind him with his feet. You know what I mean? Ah, stuff to do, man. Ah, you know? People to see. Lives to change. You know what I mean? Ah, wild. Wild. But there was always this sense of purpose, this sense of destiny, this sense of I have to accomplish something. And as a result of that sense of purpose and that intentionality, uh, that purpose brought an intentionality to his living. So he, he takes care of the vessel. He takes care of that body because he knows if I don't, you talk to him today, I plan on living another 40 years. Like, oh, brother, dad. You know what I mean? He's like, he's planning on being here forever. I'm not sure I can last with that long. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But, uh, he, you got to live for others. You got to live with a sense of purpose. You got to know what you're called to do. Say, I don't know what I'm called to do. That's your problem. But that's what the church is for. We're here to help you with that. Show up here tonight and learn what you're called to do at Discover You. That's what it's about. Because life is a test, it's a temporary assignment, and we have to take it very seriously. Proverbs 29 says, Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's why they just shove another sleeve of fig newtons down. They just do it, they indulge in it. They click it. They have a whatever attitude. It is good preaching. 1 Corinthians 9 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Look at it with me. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Come on, stay with me. Goes into what? They do it to get a crown that won't last. But we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. There's a bigger picture he's trying to say. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly, like the, like, you know, the, you know, the teenage response, what are you supposed to do with you? I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. Well, if you don't know, any road's going to get you there. Wherever it is, you're not going. You know what I mean? No, it's, he says, no, I beat my body. Oh, and I make it my slave. I subordinate it to my spirit man, in other words, so that, I have, so that when I have preached to others, listen, when I'm going to influence others, when I'm called to impact others, when I'm called to relate to others, I won't be disqualified because of this body. Amen. I hope you're catching this. If you can see as God sees, you can do as he says. Number four, wait for a revelation. Wait for a revelation. I should say wait on God for revelation. I don't mean just wait and wait and wait. Okay, I'll wait. No, wait on God for a revelation so that you live, that you live your life by honoring God with your body. This is kind of the, the soul motivation. I don't mean S-O-L-E, I mean S-O-U-L. The soul motivation. This is kind of the big one. And I want to kind of be serious about this. In fact, you can put your notes away, your Bibles away, and stand to your feet. Let me, let me speak this over you. Let me say this. This is something that I did, and I'm just going to share it with you. Some, some, I don't remember the exact date. It's in my iPhone, but sometime in the last quarter, I, I just pulled away, and I went, I went, to, a, I went to a graveyard, to be, to be honest with you, because I wanted to crucify some stuff, symbolically. And I, and, I, and I got alone with God, and I had this uh, realization, this revelation, you know, that, that I've known in my head, but I wanted to know it in my heart, that I was a slave. I was a slave. 
I, I, belong, I belong to someone else. And then I met Jesus. And, and before I actually fully surrendered my life to Jesus, I was a slave. I was, I was completely lost without him. And, and I thought to myself, I don't want to go back to that. I never want to go back to that. And, and, and because of that, you know, that stuff, I, you know, that realization, I, I, and what Jesus did for me, I realized I'm going to spend eternity with God because of what he did for me. I realized that God sent his, his firstborn, first fruits, best offering of all on my behalf so that I didn't have to be a slave anymore. That was the revelation I'm having. And, and I thought about my son, my 20-year-old son. I thought, I could never give my son for people so they could overcome their addictions, their appetites, and their sinful actions. I could never do that. But he did that for me. He did that for me. And he purchased me with his blood. And according to Scripture, I legally belonged to the devil. And so it's as if Jesus went to the devil and said, how much for Derek? How much for Hector? How much for Vanessa? How much would it be for, for Troy? How much would it be for Justin? How much would it be for John? How much? And the devil said, it'll cost you everything. And Jesus said, okay, okay, I'll pay it. I'm watching the show about this prison break thing and this guy, this brother went in to release his, his, his brother who was on death row, supposedly innocent, and his goal was to break him out. Jesus, Jesus didn't break you out. He went in, he did the time, and he took the death penalty. He bought you with his blood. I had that revelation that day. Do you not know that your body's the temple? of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God. You, you, me, are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, are you going to do this, Derek, now? Honor God with your body. Honor me with your body. Every day we should live with that reality that Jesus paid all my debt. And maybe now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, giving God a moment, precious moment. Just, just examine yourself. So that you don't have to be examined. Ultimately, examine yourself. Is your body disqualifying you in some way? Some of you, at some level, are a slave right now. And you know it. You're, you're so tired of the battle with your body. You're, you have tried to do it on your own. You, you, you maybe even have your homemade plan, your homemade religion to do it formulated these just excuses for it, but, but the symptom is you're tired, you're exhausted you're, you're so tired and exhausted and it's not just a physical exhaustion it's a spiritual and it's an emotional exhaustion and God is speaking to you right now He wants to help you but you got to do it His way and in a nutshell, salvation is whether you're already saved eternally but you're not living the abundant life now or you're not saved eternally, salvation in a nutshell is surrender in one word, it's surrender. It's the song we sang earlier. It's surrender. I surrender. I almost interrupted the service because I didn't want anybody to miss a moment where they could surrender to God and worship. But you can surrender to God right now. You can make a decision right now. The Holy Spirit speaking to you and telling you, are you really ready to let go of control and invite Jesus in to be Lord? It's a journey, but you've just been doing it your way. 
And it's, it's, and it's a day after day exercise, but it starts with the decision to surrender to him fully. And if you know he's speaking to you and in your mind you're saying, count me in for that, count me in for that, Derek, I want that. Raise your hand right now. Good and high, say that's me. I, count me in for that. Raise it, be bold. The, the enemy's bold. He'll take you out. That's how bold he is. Don't, don't just be half-hearted about it. Just say, I boldly surrender my life to God today. I want that. All over the room. Good and high, good and high. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, those of you who already know Jesus, but you want to surrender more of your life to him today, I'm just calling an all-play here. Let's all raise our hands right now and surrender to God. All of us raise our hands. We surrender to you, God. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. My triune being, I subordinate to you. May my spirit be strong. I choose this day to follow your path, to exercise the rights that you've given me in relationship with you, to see my spirit, king of the hill, over my body, over my mind. I don't want to be disqualified in this life because of my body. I want to be spiritually fit for the master's use. I surrender my soul to you, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, for every single person that said that from the heart, I pray, Lord Jesus, that those, those that feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, would you do a deep work inside of them, God? Would you make us, would you make us powerful people, vessels of honor? May we see, may we have that revelation for ourselves, individually, God. Take that, stir within us, Lord God, a work of your Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord the biggest hand clap we can.